Good evening, listeners. Welcome to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank. I'm excited to be here with you all tonight. I am your host, and you're listening to WQEE 99.1 FM, the key at noon in Georgia. I hope everyone's having a great night. It's now time to enter the late night madness. The first thing that we're going to be talking about in the world of the MLB is, in our first game, the New York Yankees versus the Baltimore Orioles. Glaber Torres is exciting. He is also infuriating. He sparked the Yankees to an 8-4 4th of July win over the Baltimore Orioles on Tuesday, hitting a two-run homer in the first inning and scoring the go-ahead run for first base with a daring dash on Giancarlo Stanton's fifth inning single. Torres walked against Kyle Gibson and was running on a full count. Two-out pitch when Stanton hit a three-hop single up the middle. Center fielder Cedric Mullins tossed the ball to second as Torres ran through third base coach Luis Rojas. and He stopped with the sign and slid headfirst across the plate with a throw for a 4-3 lead. That was a very instinctive play, says Yankees general manager Aaron Boone. He told reporters it gets him in trouble sometimes. And had they thrown him out of the play, you guys would probably be asking about it. Instead, the crowd goes wild. So it's that first line, an all-star in his first two seasons. Torres struggled in 2020 and 21 before rebounding somewhat last year when he hit 247 with 24 homers and 76 RBIs. He is batting 258 with 13 homers and 36 RBIs this season. I saw the outfield really deep, Torres said, but when I passed the second baseman, I just anticipated a little early. I know Rojas gave me the stop sign, but if I get out, it's going to be a bad scenario. So Orioles manager Brandon Hyde praised Torres for running unbelievably aggressive everywhere right now. We've got to keep our head up a little bit and get the ball in a little quicker hide, said. Yankees fans have had high expectations since Torres was obtained from the Cubs in the 2016 trade that sent closer Roldis Chapman to Chicago. He is signed to a $9.95 million one-year deal and can become a free agent after the 2024 season. Bear does have a knack for doing those things. So because he's kind of fearless, indeed, that's what Boone thinks. Sometimes he gets in trouble, so you want to rein it in a little bit, but it's actually kind of a really heads-up play, knowing that ball is going to come into second. But Aaron Hicks homered in his second game back in the Bronx after Yankees released him on May 26th, and Adam Frazier, Followed with a tying two-run homer and a three-run fifth against Clark Schmidt. So Hicks is hitting 264 with five homers and 13 RBIs for the Orioles after batting 188. That is a very good accomplishment of being able to bring up your stats like that with one homer and five RBIs for the Yankees. He has been repeatedly booed by fans in the Bronx but he is making strides to becoming a more consistent hitter. 
but just kind of the way this year was going and things I've been hearing while I was out there when I was here, said Hicks. I kind of assumed that was going to happen. But Jose Trevino added an opposite field homer to right in the seventh against Nick Yespy. As the Yankees improved to a 13-13 record since reigning AL MVP Aaron Judge got hurt. But Harrison Botter followed with a two-run double against Brian Baker. A day after Botter's tie-breaking three-run homer lifted the New York team to a 6-3 win in the Caesars in the series opener. So he's got that factor, says Schmidt. But in a game delayed by rain for 38 minutes, Schmidt won consecutive starts for the first time this year. He allowed three runs and five hits and five-plus innings with seven strikeouts and no walks. Gibson threw a season-high 104 pitches, giving up four runs, three hits, and four walks in six innings. But this has been an amazing journey. And Tommy Cannell has pitched 14 consecutive scoreless games since recovering from his bicep tendonitis and starting his season on June 2nd. That ties Mariona Rivera in the 2008 season for the Yankees as the third longest streak behind Lee Guterman's 19 back in the year of 1989, and Andrew Myler's 17 in 2015. So it's just a testament to showing how Tommy Cano has been pitching this year. Very decent stuff that you don't really see every day. But early on, before he was pitching, it was just like this guy just got louder and louder. And I didn't know what to think of it. Now I absolutely love it. He's obviously a dog. He's got like that competitiveness to him that you look for. And he kind of fires up the boys up a little bit in the dugout. A 33-year-old right-hander, Candle, pitched for the Yankees from 2017 to 2020 and got re-signed last offseason. I first come. I probably seem a little over the top, Candle said. But guys, the more they're around me, the more they start to kind of like it, it keeps guys loose and they have fun. But at the top of the order, Anthony Rizzo. The privilege I had. He is an alumni of my high school, of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, representing he did. He led off for the first time this year and went, unfortunately, in this game over four. But he walked ahead of Torres and he was able to help that. And Torres hit a homer and hit into a run-scoring force out in the eighth. That gave the Yankees an 8-3 lead. But as we head into the trainer's room reports. So what we got? The Orioles. Their catcher, James McCann, was activated from the 10-day injury reserve list. After recovering from a sprained left ankle. That had sidelined him since June 17th. Left-handed pitcher, Cianel Perez, was placed on the 15-day injured list because of a left forearm soreness. He will move retroactive to Monday. Left-handed pitcher Bruce Zimmerman was recalled from Norfolk and right-handed pitcher Chris Bellamont was optioned to the AAA team. But the Yankees' botter was hit on the left wrist by Gibson pitch in the fourth and remained in the game. 
But all in all, it was the New York Yankees who took this one, folks, to the bank by the score of 8-4. to four. Into the next game we go in the world of MLB. Now, we are recapping upon tonight the Cincinnati Reds versus the Washington Nationals. Brett Kennedy won his first Major League appearance in five years. Ellie De La Cruz went four for five with hits from both sides of the plate. And the Cincinnati Reds beat the Washington Nationals by a score of 8-4 to four on Tuesday. Kennedy struck out three and allowed four runs and five hits and five-plus innings, only getting into trouble late his 86-pitch outing. Brett Kennedy, what he did for us today, that was outstanding, says manager David Bell. That's a win indeed. That's how you win a start. He did everything right. De La Cruz had three singles, batting right-handed and one left-handed. The switch-hitting rookie sensation was robbed of his first career five-hit game by the national center fielder Derek Hill. Diving catch on a line drive in the eighth, but it can be a lot of maintenance for a switch hitter. It's a lot to think about, Bell said, but I know he's really been trying to get locked in right-handed, and today was a big day for him to get involved. Jonathan India hit two home runs, and that right there is amazing. When you're able to hit two round trippers in a game, you're really feeling the groove. And Nick Senzel had a three-run shot, and the Reds stole six bases. When you're able to time pitching that well, steal six bases in a game, that is unreal. They've won three in a row and six of their past seven. This one had special meaning for Kennedy, a 28-year-old who has bounced around the minors since last being in the majors with the San Diego Padres back in the 2018 season. He began this season as the opening day starter for the Long Island Ducks of the Independent Atlantic League. There was a lot of times I thought I might be out of the game, Kennedy said on Monday, but it feels good for me and my wife, and my family, and people that believed in me. Being able to get back here after stopping at those different places since his most recent Major League game, September 7th of 2018, Kennedy pitched in an Arizona Rookie League and for teams in El Paso, Worcester, and Portland. He joined the Reds organization in Louisville in May and got the call earlier this week to start on the 4th of July. It means a lot more this time than the first time, Kennedy said. But I think everything happens for a reason. And I feel like everything I had to do made me better and made me ready for where I am now. Wearing that red, white, and blue USA socks and given plenty of offensive support, Kennedy fared better Tuesday than Washington starter Patrick Corbin, who allowed six earned runs and ten hits with three walks and five innings. Some of that was Corbin in the middle of an up-and-down year and some the heart of the Reds' order, Cincinnati's 3-4-5 hitters, India, De La Cruz, and Spencer Steer combined to go for 7-4-8 against them, folks. That is a staggering stat. When you're able to see that more than not, out of 8 attempts and 7 of them, he they really have your number. But today, it was everyone, India said. The lineup was clicking. It was an early game. It's funny that we did it during 11 a.m. game 
But we came out and did what we had to do to win. And that was a fun game. But the Nationals threatened in the sixth, having the go-ahead run at the plate and the bases loaded before Fernando Cruz got a two strikeouts and a deep foul ball to escape trouble. But Lucas Sims got out of one final jam in the ninth for the save. Just a rough day, Nationals manager Dave Martinez said. But the lack of hitting with guys on base, we struck out bases loaded twice. That's a no-no. You can't leave three runners on base, two consecutive times, six potential base runners for coming to fruition for runs. Can't let that happen. And then they struck out again with men on first and second. We've got to move the baseball. But in the end of the day, it was the Cincinnati Reds who cashed in on their opportunity. And you guessed it, folks, took it to the bank by the score of 8-4. to Into the night we go. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at Newton, Georgia. And now in this next game, this is our final MLB story that we're covering tonight. And this one we're recapping upon is between the Philadelphia Phillies Versus the Tampa Bay Rays. So Aaron Nola tied a career high with 12 strikeouts and beat former teammate Zach Eflin as the Philadelphia Phillies won their 10th consecutive road game, 3-1 over the AL leading Tampa Bay Rays on Tuesday. It's the Phillies' longest winning streak away from home since the 1976 club. That right there is unbelievable. So long ago, back in the 70s, this was a franchise best 13 straight. Nola allowed one run and five hits over seven and one-third innings. The last batter he faced, Wander Franco, homered. Craig Kimbrell worked the ninth and earned his 13th save. And yes, a perfection, folks. 13 opportunities. Unreal. Eflin was making his first start against his old team after signing a $40 million three-year contract, the largest of free agent deals in Rays history. So the 29-year-old right-hander who had won each of his first eight home starts gave up two runs, four hits, and struck out nine in the seven innings of work. Eflin was the eighth pitcher and the first since Rick Sutcliffe led the Chicago Cubs back in 1984 to their first playoff trip in 39 years to win his first eight home starts with a club since 1901. It's been over a hundred years for that to happen. That is simply miraculous, folks. Nola and Eflin played together for seven seasons in Philly. This was the first time in Philly's history that teammates for that long of a time have faced off as starting pitchers in the next season. And the first time in the majors since Cleveland's Cliff Lee, the New York Yankees' CC Sabathia, back in 2009. But Tampa Bay has lost 9-15. The Phillies took a 1-0 lead on consecutive second-inning doubles by Bryson Stott and Alec Bohm. Eflin then retired 14 in a row until Bryce Harper had hit a one-out double 
in the seventh. Stott drove in Harper with a single. Kyle Schwarber scored from first on Harper's eighth inning single off the right field wall. Tampa Bay had runners on first and third in the third, but Nola ended the threat by striking out Franco and Luke Rayleigh. The right-hander also escaped a two-on, one-out jam in the sixth. Harper getting more work done. So, Harper was the DH for the 52nd time since returning from his Tommy John surgery and continues ramping up his pregame work at first base and is making throws to second. Now we're going to try and get him out there almost on a daily basis, Phil Philadelphia manager Rob Thompson said. But this was a holiday affair. The Phillies are 106-105 on July 4th, only the Chicago Cubs 226 and Pittsburgh's 212 have played more times than Philadelphia's 211 games on the holiday. Now we are entering our training room. So, Phillies, hugely regarded prospect Andrew Painter had a sprained right elbow, had his first batting session since getting hurt early in spring training, postponed due to to what Thompson called a little stiffness. So we've backed everything up, Thompson said, about the 20-year-old, but we want to make sure that that stiffness gets out and we have moved forward. As for the Rays, second baseman Brandon Lowe had a herniated disc, returned after missing 26 games, and went 1-for-4 with three strikeouts. But all in all, in this barn burner, it was the Philadelphia Phillies who took the Tampa Bay Rays to the bank by the score of 3-1. to one. You won't go anywhere, folks. We're going to start recapping on what's going on in the NBA. You don't want to miss it. Wishbone Fried Chicken is back in a brand new location. 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A here in Noonan. Same great taste. The best chicken around. Fish dinners. Open Monday through Saturday, 10.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Dine in. Take out. It's Wishbone Fried Chicken. Right next door to their former location. Bringing you the best chicken around. So great. Wishbone Fried Chicken, 31 Jackson Street, Sweet A, here in Noonan. Got mold? Call the Mold Man. Specializing in crawl space and interior mold remediation, encapsulations, and basement waterproofing since 2019. The Mold Man team takes pride in keeping your family healthy and your home mold free. Visit our website, themoldmanllc.com, to schedule a quote or give us a call at 678-227-9763. Hey sports fans, it's Rod Peterson here, host of The Rod Peterson Show, inviting you to join us daily for two hours of Atlanta's funnest sports talk right here on WQEE. I say fun because it is. You've never heard a show like it because we make the listeners a part of the show. Every day between noon and 2 p.m. Eastern, you'll hear plenty of the best sports talk, including the latest on the Falcons, the Braves, and more. And who knows, you might even hear you. That's the Rod Peterson Show, daily at noon, right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Hey, sports fans. 
weekdays 3 p.m. Eastern to 5 p.m. Eastern. Drive time on WQEE. Braves Country is a southern sports talk show with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. That's Braves Country with Mac McGee and the Armchair Quarterbacks. Weekdays 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. right here on WQEE 99.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 Nikki Newton, Georgia. And now we're taking you to the world of the NBA as we are talking about a NBA big man being waived by the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic have waived forward Bulbo. The team announced Tuesday. Tuesday was the deadline to guarantee Bulls 2.2 million contract for next season. According to ESPN's Bobby Marks, he is now eligible to be claimed by a team that either has the cap room or a trade exception to absorb Bulls salary. The waiver claim order is based on last season's standings, meaning the Detroit Pistons have first dibs. Detroit attempted to trade for Bull in January of 2022 before the deal was voided because of an issue with Bull's physical health. Bull, 23 years old, is coming off a career year in which he's averaged 9.1 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 1.2 blocks in just 21 and a half minutes per game of work for the Orlando Magic. He appeared in 70 games for the Orlando Magic and starting 33 of them after playing in just 53 NBA games combined over his first three seasons in the league. A 7'2 forward, Bull, has an intriguing combination of skills that include ball handling and shooting to go along with his abilities to rack up blocks. Bull is the son of former NBA player Manute Bull. And now, we're going to transition into the next story of the NBA. And now, this is about an NBA star making a return back from his injury. He did not play last year, and yet, he didn't play an NBA game. I'm talking about Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren showed both signs of rust during his first game in 11 months, and plenty of glimpses of his potential to make an intermediate impact for the Oklahoma City Thunder in his upcoming season. That was delayed last year with his injury, because he did not have a rookie season. Holmgren was the number two overall pick, and the 2022 NBA draft, who then missed the entire season due to a right foot injury that required surgery. He did have 15 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 blocks during his Thunders summer league opener, where they won 95-85 over the Utah Jazz in Monday's Salt Lake City game. So, the game did not get off to a pretty star for Holmgren. The 7-footer, who suffered... The Liz Frank injury during his Seattle Pro Amateur Contest during last game appearance in, back in August. He went scoreless in the first quarter, airballing a finger roll and badly missing a couple of turnaround jumpers as well as dribbling the ball off his foot and out of bounds. But the last thing I wanted to do was come out here and timid, is what Holmgren was saying. So I wanted to come out of the gates and be aggressive and look to impact the game. Obviously with that, you can make mistakes or miss shots, and that's part of the game. 
whether you just played a hundred straight games without missing one or missed the whole season. Mistakes come with the game, and I just got to learn from them, says Holmgren. But Holmgren found his rhythm in the second quarter when he scored 10 points on 5 of 7 shooting. He got hot in the second quarter, really something he needed to have. He displayed his unique skill set for a player his size the remainder of the game. He missed his lone three-point attempt, but made several plays off the dribble after attacking closeouts, including a nifty up-and-under that he finished with his left hand after driving into the paint. Holmgren brought the ball up the floor on several occasions, something rarely seen from a seven-footer. The best example for that, that would be Giannis, and he is staggering. In one instance... He grabbed a defensive rebound and pushed the ball to get the thunder in transition before delivering a beautiful 40-foot touch pass to power forward Jalen Williams for a layup. That's just new school basketball, Holmgren said with a smile. I look forward to making it happen more. But not surprisingly, Holmgren's biggest impact came on the defensive end of the floor. He considered a rare defensive prospect because of his ability to protect the rim and hold his own against guards on switches. Three of Holmgren's four block shots on Monday were two-handed swats at the Jazz drives. But the most spectacular was a rejection of Utah first-round picks Keontae George, on which Holmgren slammed the ball to the floor with two hands like a volleyball middle blocker, generating oohs and ahs from the Delta center crowd. But Holmgren had 15 points and 9 rebounds on Monday and was most impactful on something that you would not think the defensive end of the floor. Yes, he had 4 blocks. Very pivotal and to see on the comeback trail. He makes paint protection very easy, said Thunder forward Jalen Williams. The Rookie of the Year runner-up last season who scored 21 points in 22 minutes. He gives everybody a lot more confidence to get up and guard the man at a lot higher level. I think he does a good job in figuring his way out down here too to help. And it makes it easier for us as well to zip around and move there. So Holmgren has been fully cleared since near the end of the Thunder season in April and had played in pickup games as well as one-on-ones and three-on-three since. But since returning to game action was a significant step in the recovery process. The foot feels great, says Holmgren. It's like the injury never happened, other than everything I had to go through, obviously. But at this point, if you erase my memory, I wouldn't even know that anything had ever happened to my foot other than the scars from the surgery. But conditioning-wise... There's millions of hurdles that you have to go through in the process of returning to play. Not being able to play a game for a year, it's really, really hard to test and see where you're at. But I do think that Chet Holmgren had a decent summer league performance way back against the Utah Jazz. We'll be right back going into the stories of the NFL offseason. 
Active Pest Control offers the best services and prices to protect your home, offering both monthly and quarterly pest control services, plus specific services like bed bugs, German roach, and flea control. Even if you can't see them, insects are all around you 24-7. Active Pest Control wants to be the first line of defense. Active Pest Control. Repair. Bond. Best termite coverage around. Active Pest Control, 34 Jefferson Street, Newton, 770-954-9941. Want to give back to your community in a meaningful way? Cares for Kids is a Keller Williams Realty-founded charity in which 100% of money raised goes directly to children in need in our area. Cares for Kids helps fund local organizations like Angel's House, Coweta Casa, Elevate, and more. Help Cares for Kids reach their mission of serving 1 million children. Call 678-634-9770 today to learn more on how to be involved or text k for k Noonan to 44321 to donate. This week's Property of the Week is located at 688 Cheatham Road in Griffin, Georgia. This 32.14 acre tract is waiting to find its new owner. This property features a three bed, two bath home built in 1890. An 18 by 28 utility shed ran with its own power and water, fencing for horses and other livestock, and timber such as pine, oak, and pecan trees. Call 678-634-9770 for more information. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key at Newton, Georgia. And now we are heading into the world of the NFL offseason. We're going to recap on an incredible story from the heart. So, Foster Marrero said Monday that his cancer is in full remission. The veteran tight end made the announcement some three months after he was diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma, following a physical with the New Orleans Saints while he was visiting the team in free agency. After a few months like this, I've been blessed with the news I'm in full remission from Hodgkin lymphoma. Moreo posted on Twitter on Monday, I'm so grateful to everyone who reached out to offer their love and support. Our prayers were answered. From here, I will continue to live my life as God intended. So in March, Marrero was considered the possibility of continuing his pro football career with his hometown Saints when Dr. John Amos, the team's physician, noticed an enlarged lymph node in the tight end's left clavicle. Amos' discovery led to a diagnosis of Hodgkin lymphoma, and Marrero initially announced that he would pause his NFL career to focus on his health. After further testing, Marrero said doctors determined he had a rare but very treatable form of the disease, nodicular lymphotic predominant Hodgkin lymphoma or NLPHI. His treatment consisted of six to eight hours of a drip infusion for one daily 
initially followed by several weeks of medication that was either ingested or injected into his stomach area. That treatment ended the day before he signed his three-year, $12 million contract with New Orleans in May. He was able to participate fully in voluntary offseason practice later that month. Marrero said, I'll continue to fight this as long as I need to. As many times as I need to fight this and go back into remission, I will. Marrero, 26, played football at LSU from the 2015 to the 19 season. It was a fourth round pick of the Las Vegas Raiders back in 2019. He caught 91 passes for 1,107 yards and 12 touchdowns during his four seasons for the Raiders. This is truly an incredible story. This is so touching to the point of an incredible comeback story. Coming back from cancer and then going back into the league. You are a testament, young man. Marrero, you are exactly a leader. A leader. And you took adversity in the face. And you turned it into a positive. And now you are an inspiration for this generation. What you mean is so much. I know what this looks like on a personal level. With dearly with my mom. She didn't make it through her fight. But this hits home. Personally my life. But at the same time. This guy is the epitome of a winner. And he'll fight to the bitter end. And now he's got his opportunity to go play in the NFL once again on his three-year, 12-millionaire contract. Truly unbelievable. Proud of this guy. Marrero, you are the man. Now, in our last story tonight in the NFL offseason, is about a legacy of a former Cardinals coach, former Arizona Cardinals head coach, Vince Tobin, who helped the franchise end a 50-year-plus playoff drought, died Monday. He was 79 years old. A cause of death was not immediately known. Tobin led the Cardinals to a playoff berth in 1998 and a 20-7 upset victory over the Dallas Cowboys in the wildcard round. It was the Cardinals' first postseason victory since 1947, when the franchise, then based in Chicago, defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 28-21 to win the NFL championship. The Cardinals lost to the Minnesota Vikings 41-21 in the divisional round in the 1998 season. Tobin was hired in 1996 to succeed Buddy Ryan as the team's head coach and went 28-43 in parts of five seasons. He was fired after week eight of the 2000 campaign and made a 2-5 start. But Tobin was 28-43 in parts of that as the Cardinals head coach but led the franchise to their first playoff victory since 1947. I cannot make this up. So that in itself... He made history. With an upset victory over the Cowboys in the wildcard round after the 1998 season, 
Our deepest condolences go out to everyone who knew and loved Vince Tubin, and in particular, his wife Kathy and their family, said Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell, said in a statement, as head coach of the Cardinals, his steady leadership was a constant and a big part of the success the team enjoyed during his tenure. His football legacy with us is highlighted by the thrilling 1998 season, return to the postseason, and upset playoff win at Dallas. He will also be remembered for his instrumental role in key decisions like drafting Jake Plummer and Pat Tillman. More than that, he will be consummate as a family man and always a class act who positively impacted everyone he encountered. Plummer expressed his condolences on Twitter, writing that he will forever be grateful for the confidence he instilled in me. Tubin was the defensive coordinator with the Chicago Bears from 1986 through 1992. He took over under Mike Ditka when Ryan left to become the head coach of the Eagles. He was also a defensive coordinator in the CFL and the USFL and with the Indianapolis Colts from 1994 to the 95 season and the Detroit Lions in the 01 season. Tubin was inducted into the Missouri Sports of Hall of Fame in 2008, along with his brother Bill. Vince Tubin was a two-year starter for the Tigers and later became an assistant coach from 1965 to 1976. But the memory of Mr. Vince Tubin will live on. Thank you for everything you've done as a man. It's a privilege for anyone that was involved with him and being a miraculous being and being a testament of what the NFL and the football community is all about. Vince Tubin, take care, be safe, rest in peace, buddy. Now, we're going to be going through into an incredible win in NASCAR. Stick around. How do you make the most of your land? Everyone has their way. The Nelsons depend on their John Deere Gator XUV 835R to get from point A to point B with decoys and the dogs. As much as we got going on, it's all about efficiency. And if you ask the Mosers what they use their Gator XUV 590M for, they tell you. The most fun we have on the Gator is just repping around the property. There are millions of ways to make the most of your land. Learn how to make the most of yours at Deer.com. Nothing runs like a deer. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. I'm not going to lie. I know nothing about cars. And I don't really mind keeping it that way. This, it's cool. I called CarShield before my car broke down. Thanks to CarShield, I don't have to understand anything about what's broken. Because plans can pay for repairs on up to 6,000 parts of my car. Leave fixing cars to the experts and call CarShield before your car breaks down and maybe save some money for once. It's a thought. Call 800-579-6554. 800-579-6554. 
At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh, right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy. Because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1, the key at noon in Georgia. And now we are heading into an incredible story in NASCAR, folks. Yes, it was a driver's debut in Chicago in the Cup Series. And that's where it happened. History being made. Only the seventh time ever in NASCAR history when Shane Van Gisenbergen got the call from Justin Marks, it reignited his interest in the NASCAR Cup Series. He studied the races, the drivers, and the cars. Turns out he is a pretty good student. Van Gisenbergen won his Cup Series debut on a rainy Sunday in downtown Chicago, chasing down Justin Haley and Chase Elliott in a memorable finish to the series' first street race. After passing Elliott, Van Gisbergen dueled with Haley in the final laps before the three-time Supercars champion moved in front for good. Haley held on for second, and Elliott was third. The racing, the battles were really fun, Van Gisenbergen said, but everyone was respectful and clean. It was really cool. The 34-year-old Van Gisenbergen, a New Zealand native, became the first driver to win his Cup Series debut since Johnny Rutherford in the second qualifying race at Daytona in 1963. Yes, this really happened. He is the first driver, folks, in 60 years to do this. He got a chance to drive that number 91 Chevrolet in Chicago as part of Trackhouse Racing's Project 91. Trackhouse is owned by Marks, and the goal for the Project 91 program is to give international drivers a shot at NASCAR. This was a shower idea, Marks said. I mean, it was me thinking I'm a huge fan of all different kinds of motorsports, and I've raced in all different kinds of motorsports. I wanted to bring my love global motorsport to NASCAR. When Van Gisenbergen was credited with leading lap 25, it was the first lap led for Project 91 in three starts. He became the sixth driver born outside the United States to win a NASCAR Cup Series race, joining Marcos Ambrose, Mario Andretti, Juan Pablo Montoya, Earl Ross and Daniel Suarez, he's going to go home and tell all his friends how bad we are, Elliot cracked. But Van Gisenbergen is the first driver who really truly did this since Johnny Rutherford in the second qualifying race in 63, which, honestly, repeating it again, because it's that staggering, and that's amazing to really be doing this, but Van Gisenbergen won his first Supercars Championship in 2016, 
and added two more the past two years. He was helped in his NASCAR debut by Darian Grubb, who was the crew chief for Tony Stewart when he won the Cup Series Championship back in 2011. Trackhouse Racing also won last weekend's Cup Series race with Ross Chastain at Nashville Super Speedway. I was a big Tony Stewart fan, so working with Darian was pretty special, says Van Gisenbergen. But Kyle Larson finished fourth in Chicago, followed by Kyle Busch and Austin Sindrick. Christopher Bell won the two stages and led a race-high 37 laps, but faded to 18th. The race was scheduled for 100 laps and 220 miles, but it was shortened because of fading sunlight after the start was delayed for more than 90 minutes because of historic rainfall that flooded the course. So, set the mood. That right there is something you're probably not going to see in a lifetime, but pretty amazing. The last half of the Xfinity race set to resume after it was suspended Saturday because of lightning because it was canceled. Right before the scheduled start, as the rain persisted, bowl, pole sitter, Denny Hamlin, to Twitter to lobby for a delay, and Noah Gragson posted the video of one of his tires floating on pit road. NASCAR then decided to allow the drivers to return their haulers. Steve O'Donnell's NASCAR's chief operating officer said they never planned to start at that point in time. What we wanted to do was get all the things that needed to happen to be able to fire the engines and get us going taken care of, he said, so that when we knew, hey, the track is ready to go now, you know we're not going to go through the anthem and drive the introductions and that sort of thing. But the weather eventually cleared up. But there were puddles on the course when the race began, even as it started to dry out, and the team started breaking out their slick tires. Water splashed everywhere whenever a driver slid into a tire barrier. Certainly added a dynamic to the race that isn't super uncommon, Elliot said. We've been through the scenario before, but it was adding that to an already kind of new and different atmosphere and different circuit was a little odd. But Gragson, Bush, and Joey Logano all visited the rows of tires in turn six. Hamlin and Elliott got into the tire pack in turn two. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. was hit by Bubba Wallace and got stuck in the tire barrier in turn one late in the race. There also was a massive pileup on the 50th lap involving 14 cars turning on East Jackson Drive to Michigan Avenue, clogging the course and almost assuredly drawing a smile from regular Chicago drivers familiar with the area. It definitely was a first-class event. I obviously enjoyed it and hope we come back later tomorrow, Haley said. But I don't know about the back half of the grid. But yeah, very cool. Glad to be part of it. But this was a race that goes into history, folks. And really, it was the New Zealander. It was Van. Gisbergen, who won his debut. Congratulations, Van. When you really need something to get you through a long graduation ceremony, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are there to give you a thrill. With varieties like Trolley Sour Bursting Crawlers, 
The worm's soft and chewy texture, surprising flavor combinations, and neon bright colors will give everyone a reason to celebrate. So when you want to notch the festivities up a couple degrees, Trolley Sour Gummy Worms are the perfect way for everyone to celebrate. Shop now for any trolley that crawls your way. This is Austin Black, and I am the host of Behind the Tunes. Have you ever wondered about the stories behind your favorite songs and the journeys of those that sing them? Each week, we invite you to go behind the tunes and step into the stories behind your favorite Christian artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Hey everybody, this is Andy Crispin. Join me this week for worship as I play two hours of the best in modern worship music from churches and worship leaders around the world. And this week, my special guest is Blake Goss of New Spring Worship. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making ways in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. For us, that scripture came alive because he did a new thing actually in an old place. You don't want to miss a moment of this week's worship with me, your host, Andy Crispin. WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. Home of Southern Sports and Talk. Noonan, Sharpsburg, Franklin. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key at Noonan, Georgia. And now we are on to our music news segment. And our first story is about a famous tennis player who joined a rock band on stage in Zurich while they were on tour. And wow, unbelievable story here. So Coldplay have invited a wide variety of special guests to join them on stage over the past year during their massive music of the Spheres global tour. Artists ranging from Lupe Fiasco to Craig David, Lauren Mayberry, and Bruce Springsteen have joined Coldplay during a special segment that takes place on a small satellite stage in the middle of the stadium floor. But on Saturday at the stadium Letzgengrund in Zurich, Switzerland, the 20-time Grand Slam champion and recently retired tennis superstar Roger Federer stepped back into the spotlight when he huddled with the band backstage and then shunned, then joined them in front of his home country crowd for a very special version of Don't Panic from the band's 2000 debut album Parachutes. Adventure of a Lifetime, Federer captioned a series of photos he posted on Monday morning that opened with a shot of him and wife Mirka Federer joining the band's pre-show group hug backstage, followed by a pose shot with Federer taking his place in the middle and looking like he fit right into the quartet's lineup. And the other snaps, the Federer's walk with Chris Martin and company to the stage before the tennis legend walks out and rocks a mean shaker alongside Martin during the performance of Don't Panic. Shaker solo, shaker solo, shaker solo, Martin encourages. Original band member Federer 
mid-song as the group leaned into a 2014 Ghost Stories track. They also commented on Federer's picture post writing, You were flawless on the shaker, Roger. Is there anything you, can, you can't do? Ha, huh. pretty interesting. Drummer and keyboardist Will Champion brought it all home by improvising a new final line singing, Cause everybody here got the Roger to lean on. In another picture, Federer is seen getting ready to release a flood of balloons during Adventure of a Lifetime. The music of the Spheres tour continues on Wednesday, July 5th with the first of two shows at Parkin in Copenhagen. Check out Federer's post and a fan clip of the performance from below. Unbelievable to see. And it's pretty cool that a player like Roger Federer completely, they support them. I mean, granted, it was really where Roger Federer is from to really support Coldplay, but a very cool concept indeed. We'll be right back with the final music news story. The Baxters have a new first book. From number one New York Times best-selling novelist Karen Kingsbury, author of life-changing fiction, comes The Baxters, a prequel. The heart-pounding story of Carrie Baxter's wedding. Amidst family tension and the worst storm Bloomington, Indiana has seen in a decade. The Baxters, by America's favorite inspirational storyteller, Karen Kingsbury. Visit KarenKingsbury.com for more information. The Baxters, available now wherever books are sold. I'm pretty handy around the house, but now that I have kids, I don't want to spend my Saturday installing a toilet or fixing an air conditioner. But thankfully, there's HomeAdvisor. HomeAdvisor helps me find the best home pros in my area to handle any kind of project. You can read reviews of the pros, check their availability, and even book appointments online. And what my wife loves most is that HomeAdvisor is completely free to use. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free app to get started. HomeAdvisor. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back. You're listening to the Nightly Crowd Catcher with Corey Bank on WQEE 99.1 The Key out of Noonan, Georgia. And now we are on to our last segment of our music news segment. And this is about a known early 2000s rapper. His storybook finished way too soon. As family and friends gathered at the funeral over the weekend for Houston rapper Big Pokey, an original member of the pioneering group Screwed Up Click, Pokey, who was born Milton Powell, died June 18th at the age of 48 after collapsing at a performance in Beaumont located east of Houston. 
those attending the service Saturday at Fountain of Praise Church in Houston included Mayor Sylvester Turner, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, and rappers Paul Wall, Trey the Truth, and Slim Thug, the Houston Chronicle reported. So among these in attendance, according to the paper, were Mayor Sylvester Turner, the Congresswoman Sheila Jackson, and Derek D. Reck Dixon, CEO of Rec Shop Records, as well as rappers Lil O, Young Star, DJ XO, Killa, Kylon, and Lil Kiki. Pokey was known for Texas and Gulf Coast hits such as Ball and Parlay, Who That Talking Down, and a verse on DJ Screw's nearly 36-minute freestyle known as June 27th. He was also featured on Megan Thee Stallion's 2022 Southside Royalty Freestyle. Nationally, Pokey was most known for a featured appearance on Wall's 2005 debut hit song, Sitting Sideways. The chorus was sampled from Pokey's verse on June 27th. Pokey, who grew up in Houston, began garnering local fame in the late 1990s as an original member of the Screwed Up Click, a friend group turned rap collective led by DJ Screw, who developed a slowed, pitched down music style known as Chopped and Screwed, which became synonymous with Houston. Pokey released his debut album, Hardest Pit in the Litter, in 1999, and The Game in 2000, the following year. The legend of Pokey will live on. Rest in peace. Thank you, everyone that has tuned in tonight. Thank you, WQEE. Thank you for everyone, the listeners. Everyone, have a great night's sleep. Get home safe. And take care, everyone. This is episode 14.